welcome back to the Bowling School Spotlight Podcast. As always, this is Mr. Manso, your computer science teacher, still coming to you from my home. As school closures continue, many of your teachers continue to try and stay connected with you by posting things on Class Dojo and the Bowling School Facebook page. Also, continue to check the Springfield Public Schools website for important information and updates as changes occur for all of us. Today, I present to you the second installment of the Great Bowling School Spotlight Read Aloud of The Wild Robot by New York Times bestselling author Peter Brown. In this episode, you'll hear chapters 14 through 26 and find out what was waiting for Roz in the cave that she sought shelter in at the end of chapter 13, and how camouflage helps her to learn the language of the animals on the island. I'll give you another way to respond to the story at the end of the podcast, so listen all the way to the end. Don't forget about the Padlet where you can upload a drawing of what you think Roz looks like in the story. So gather around, gather your family around together, or again, pop those headphones on and find a quiet space to continue to follow the adventures of the wild robot. Let's get started. The Wild Robot by Peter Brown. Copyright 2016 by Peter Brown. Dedication to the robots of the future. Chapter 14 The Bears. Roz stomped into the cave, and then she stomped right back out. Please stay away said the robot to the two bears who were now nipping at her heels. You see, when Ra stomped into the cave, she accidentally woke a brother and sister bear from their morning nap, which is never a good idea. And to make matters worse, bears have an instinct that drives them to attack when a creature runs away, especially if the creature running away is a mysterious sparkling monster. So as the startled bears watched Ra stomping out of their cave, they really had no choice at all. They simply had to take up the chase. Roz tried her best outrun the bears. She leaped over rocks and wove through trees and stomped across the mountainside at full speed. But the bears were young and strong and fast, and the robot still had so much to learn about moving through the wilderness. She never even saw the tree root. One moment she was stomping along, and the next moment she was flying through the air and thumping down onto a rotten log. Clumps of soft wood stuck to her side as she stood and faced her attackers. Wouldn't you be afraid if two bears were charging toward you? Of course you would. Everyone would. Even the robot felt something like fear. Roz was programmed to take care of herself. She was programmed to stay alive. And as the robot watched those bears charging toward her, she knew her life was in serious danger. The bears slammed into Roz, knocking her against the trunk of a towering tree. Then one bear dove at her legs and the other clawed at her chest. If only the robot had swung her fists or kicked her feet, she could have scared them off. One good bop in the nose would have sent them running, but the robot's programming would not allow her to be violent. Clearly, Roz was not designed to fight bears. 
Powerful jaws chomped her arms. Sharp claws slashed her face. A massive head rammed her chest. Please stay away, said the robot. Roar, said the sister bear. Grrr, said the brother bear. And then the bears went in for the kill. But the robot had vanished. Chapter 15. The Escape. Using all the strength in her legs, Roz jumped straight up high into the air and landed on a tree branch overhead. The tree shook with the sudden weight of the robot, and then, thunk, thunk, two pine cones bounced off Roz, and a moment later, thunk, thunk, the same pine cones bounced off the bears below. The bears grunted with annoyance. This gave Roz an idea. The robot's programming stopped her from being violent, but nothing stopped her from being annoying. So Roz plucked pine cones from the nearby branches and lobbed them down at the bears. Thunk, 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 thunk. Each pine cone bounced off its target with annoying accuracy and whipped the young bears into a frenzy. Roar, said the sister bear. Roar, said the brother bear. I do not understand you, bears, said the robot. Roz was about to unload a whole armful of annoying pine cones when a distant roar echoed through the forest. Back at the cave, the mother bear was calling for these two, and she did not sound happy. The young bears looked at each other. They knew they were in trouble. But before lumbering home, they glared up at Roz and snorted one last time. More than anything, they wanted to kill the robot. Chapter 16. The Pine Tree Roz was in no hurry to leave the tree. She stayed on her branch long after the bears had gone, enjoying some peace and looking herself over. In addition to bite marks and claw marks, the robot was also covered in dirt, which, of course, meant it was time for another cleaning. She was making good progress when she felt something sticky on her arm. The problem with sitting in a pine tree is that, eventually, the tree's sticky resin will find you. It always does. And it found Roz. The robot scrubbed and scraped at the resin, and soon her fingers were completely coated in the sticky stuff. Then it was all over her arms and her legs and her torso and things were about to get even messier. A robin swooped into the tree and began screeching and fluttering around Roz. The bird had recently finished building herself a new nest. It was a little work of art, a delicate basket woven from grass and twigs and feathers, and it was right above the robot's head. Screech! Screech! said the robin. I do not understand you, robin, said the robot. The robin continued screeching and fluttering, and then splat! She splattered her droppings across the robot's face. This bird was serious. So Roz scooted away, farther out on the branch, until she heard a quick, sharp crack. Before Roz knew what was happening, the tree branch snapped under her weight, and she went crashing to the forest floor. She hit the ground hard and lay there as broken branches and pine cones and needles showered down on top of her. There was another splat and then quiet returned to the forest. Chapter 17. The Camouflaged Insect Roz was a mess. She lay under the tree, covered in a heap of broken branches and pine cones and needles. She still hadn't removed the sticky resin from her body, and then there were the bird droppings. She was about to get up and give herself a rigorous cleaning when she noticed a peculiar twig. The twig was moving. It was crawling along one of the broken branches on the ground. With a gentle touch, the robot picked up the twig. Hello, stick insect. My name is Roz. You are very well camouflaged. The stick insect's body was long and thin. He had the same shape and colors and markings as a real twig. 
but if you look closely, you just might see two tiny eyes and two spindly antennae. The insect didn't make a sound, and he sat perfectly still, as still as a robot. The two of them sat still and silently stared at each other for a while. Thank you, stick insect, said Roz as she placed him back where she found him. You have taught me an important lesson. I can see how camouflage helps you survive. Perhaps it could help me survive also. Chapter 18. The Camouflaged Robot As you know, listener, Roz had always liked to keep herself as clean as possible. But her desire to stay alive was stronger than her desire to stay clean, and our robot decided it was time she got dirty. Roz was going to camouflage herself. She'd gotten the idea from the stick insect, but Roz quickly realized that camouflaging herself as a twig was out of the question. No, the robot would have to blend into the landscape itself. She began by smearing handfuls of thick mud over her entire body. Then she plucked ferns and grasses from the ground and sank their roots into her new muddy coating. She placed colorful flowers around her face to disguise her glowing eyes, and any bare patches were covered with tree leaves and strips of moss. Our robot now looked like a great tuft of plants walking through the forest. She waited for darkness, and then she padded to the center of a clearing, nestled herself between some rocks, and became part of the landscape. A few hours later, the sky was brightening. The fog was lifting. The nighttime animals were slinking home, and the daytime animals were beginning to stir. It was just an ordinary morning on the island. However, there was that new tuft of plants in that one forest clearing. Only the bees had noticed the tuft. They buzzed around it, completely unaware that the robot was hidden beneath. And so Raz sat there, right in the open yet completely unseen, and observed the wilderness around her. She watched flowers slowly turn toward the sun. She listened to rodents crawl through the weeds. She smelled the moist, piney air. She felt worms wiggle against her muddy sides. A week later, the tuft of plants was gone, but there was a new clump of seaweed on the shore. A week after that, the clump of seaweed was gone, but there was a new bramble on the mountain. Then there was a new log on the riverbank. Then a new rock in the forest. Chapter 19. The Observations Clouds scudded through the sky. Spiders spun intricate webs. Berries beckoned to hungry mouse. Foxes stalked hares. Mushrooms rose up from leaf litter. Turtles plopped into ponds. Moss spread across tree roots. Vultures hunched over carcasses. Ocean waves beat against the coastline. Tadpoles became frogs. Caterpillars became butterflies. A camouflaged robot observed it all. Chapter 20. The Language of the Animals It started with the birds. They had always been skittish when the robot was near. They would stare and screech and then scatter. But now that Roz was camouflaged, she could secretly observe their normal behavior right up close. Roz noticed chickadees fluttering through the same flowers and singing the same song every morning. She noticed a lark who swooped down to the same rock and sang the same song every afternoon. She noticed the same two magpies singing to each other from across the same meadow every evening. After weeks of robotically studying the birds, Roz knew what each bird would sing and when they would sing, 
and eventually why they would sing. The robot was beginning to understand the birds. But she was also beginning to understand the porcupines and the salamanders and the beetles. She discovered that all the different animals shared one common language. They just spoke the language in different ways. You might say each species spoke with its own unique accent. When Roz first listened to the chickadees, their song had sounded like, Twee twiddle, twee twiddle. But now when the chickadees sang, Roz heard, Oh, what a lovely day it is. Oh, what a lovely day it is. Deer spoke mostly with their bodies. By simply turning her head, a doe could say to her family, Let's look for clovers by the stream. Snakes often hissed to themselves things like, I know there's a tasty mouse here somewhere. Bees said very little. They used their wings to buzz a few simple words like nectar and sun and hive. Frogs spent much of their time searching for each other. One would croak, where are you? I can't see you. And then another would reply, I'm over here. Follow my voice. When Roz first stomped across the island, the animal squawks and growls and chirps had sounded like nothing more than meaningless noises. But she no longer heard animal noises. Now she heard animal words. Chapter 21. The Introduction. There was an hour each morning in the dim light of dawn when all the island animals were safe. You see, long ago they had agreed not to hunt or harm one another during that hour. They called it the Dawn Truce. Most mornings, the island residents would gather in the Great Meadow and spend an hour chatting with friends. Of course, not everyone attended these gatherings. The bears had never made an appearance, and the vultures just circled high above. But on this particular morning, an unusually large group of animals had come out to discuss some important news. Settle down, everyone. I have something to say. Swooper, the owl, hooted to the crowd from the lowest branch of a dead tree. Last night I saw a mysterious creature right here in the great meadow. It seemed to be covered in grass, so I couldn't get a good look at it. But I think it may have been the monster. Looks of concern swept over the crowd. What was the creature doing? said Dart the weasel. It was speaking, said Swooper. It kept repeating the same words over and over again. But each time it sounded a little different. At first it sounded like a cricket, and then it sounded like a raccoon, and then it sounded like an owl. What was it saying? said Dig Down, the groundhog. I could be mistaken, said Swooper, but I think it was saying, Hello, my name is Roz. The crowd began to chatter. Just where is this creature? said Fink the fox. Everyone turned as the owl slowly pointed his wing to a grassy lump in the meadow. It was a rather ordinary-looking grassy lump until it began to move. As you probably guessed, that grassy lump was Roz. She had been there the whole time, camouflaged, watching, listening, and with all the animals looking at her, she decided to introduce herself. The crowd stared in disbelief as the grassy lump started shaking and bulging upward and crumbling apart, and there was the robot. Then, using her body and voice, the robot spoke to the animals in their own language. Hello, my name is Roz, the crowd gasped. Swooper fluttered up from his branch and screeched, It's the monster! I am not a monster, said Roz. I am a robot. A flock of sparrows suddenly took off. Leave us alone, squeaked Dart as he crouched low in the grass. Return to wherever horrible place you've come from. 
I come from here, said Roz. I have spent my whole life on this island. Why haven't you spoken to us sooner? Screeched the owl from higher up in the tree. I did not know the animal language until now, said the robot. Crown Point the Buck had heard enough, and he slipped into the forest with his family. So what do you want from us? growled Fink. I have observed that different animals have different ways of surviving, said the robot. I would like each of you to teach me your survival techniques. I am not going to help you, screeched the owl from the very top of the tree. You seem so unnatural. The monster's just waiting to gobble us up, shrieked Dig Down, and the groundhog disappeared into a hole. I will not gobble anyone up, said Roz. I have no need for food. You don't need food, Fink relaxed a bit. Well, I need food, and lots of it. Why don't you make yourself useful and find me some food? What would you like me to do, said Roz. Can you hunt? The fox smiled at a hare on the far side of the gathering. It's almost time for breakfast. I cannot hunt. But I could gather berries. The fox's smile disappeared. Berries? I'm hungry for meat, not berries. Good luck to you, Roz. You're going to need it. And the fox trotted away. Roz looked up at the tree, but the owl had gone. And when the robot looked down again, she realized that everyone else had gone too. Chapter 22. The New Word. A new word was spreading across the island. The word was... Roz. Everyone was talking about the robot, and they wanted nothing to do with her. I don't think I'll ever feel comfortable knowing that Roz is on the prowl. I hope Roz camouflages herself as a rock. Forever. Shh! There's Roz now. Let's get out of here. Roz wandered the island covered in dirt and green growing things, and everywhere she went she heard unfriendly words. The words would have made most creatures quite sad, but as you know, Robots don't feel emotions, and in these moments, that was probably for the best. Chapter 23. The Wounded Fox My face! My beautiful face! Somebody help! Fink the fox was lying on the log, howling in pain, with a face full of long, sharp quills when Roz appeared. Isn't there anybody else who can help? Would you like me to leave? said the robot. No, please don't go. I'll take what I can get. What happened? I didn't think that porcupine could see me in the bushes, but when I went for his throat, suddenly there were quills in my face. Why did you go for his throat? Why do you think? Because I was hungry. If you had not attacked the porcupine, you would not have quills in your face. Yes, Roz, I know that, but a fox has got to eat. I just didn't expect him to put up such a fight. Look! There are even quills in my paws. I can't walk. My face is numb. I could die if you don't help me. What would you like me to do? Said the robot. I'd like you to pull out the quills. Roz calmly knelt beside Fink and said, I will pull out the quills. The robot started to tug on a quill, but it snapped off in her fingers. Fink yelped and said, Pinch it closer to the skin. So Roz pinched the broken quill closer to the skin and then, very slowly, she pulled it out. The fox winced in pain and said through his teeth, Please, Roz, pull them out faster. This is agony. Roz quickly tugged out another quill, then another and another. The fox lay perfectly still, eyes closed tightly, wind whistling through his nose, until every single quill had been removed and placed in a neat pile beside him. Fink struggled to his feet. Thanks, Roz. I, I owe you one. 
The fox smiled briefly, and then he limped away. Chapter 24 The Accident As Roz wandered through springtime, she saw all the different ways that animals entered the world. She saw birds guarding their eggs like treasures until the chicks finally hatched. She saw deer give birth to fawns who were up and running in a matter of minutes. Many newborns were greeted by loving families. Some were on their own from their very first breath. And, as you're about to find out, a few poor goslings would never even get a chance to hatch. Roz was climbing down one of the forest cliffs when the accident happened. The wind started blowing out of the north, and suddenly clouds were rushing over the island. With the clouds came a spring shower, a downpour, actually, and there was our robot clamping her hands onto a wet block of stone on the side of the cliff. But the block couldn't handle the extra weight, and as the heavy robot hung there, cracks suddenly shot through the stone and it started breaking apart. Down went the robot, plummeting into the treetops below. She crashed through branch after branch before finally hooking an arm around one. Then she dangled there, gently swinging as rocks roared past her on their way to the forest floor. When the dust settled, Roz shimmied down the tree trunk. The ground was littered with broken rocks and splintered wood and pulverized shrubs. Within all that rubble was a goose nest that had been torn to shreds. Two dead geese and four smashed eggs lay among the carnage. The robot stared at them with her softly glowing eyes, and something clicked deep inside her computer brain. Roz realized she had caused the deaths of an entire family of geese. Chapter 25 The Egg As Roz stood in the rain, staring down at those poor, lifeless geese, her sensitive ears detected a faint peeping sound coming from somewhere nearby. She followed the peeps over to a clump of wet leaves on the ground, and when she peeled back the leaves, she discovered a single perfect goose egg sunk in the mud. Mama! Mama, peeped a tiny, muffled voice from within the egg. The robot gently cradled the fragile thing in her hand. Without a family, the unhatched gosling inside would surely die. Roz knew that some animals had to die for others to live. That was how the wilderness worked. But would she allow her accident to cause the death of yet another gosling? After a moment, the robot started to walk. Carefully holding the egg, she moved through the forest and away from that sad scene. But she didn't get far before Fink burst out from the bushes. What happened? The fox panted. The whole forest was shaking. There was an accident, said the robot. I was climbing those cliffs when the rocks started to fall. You should be more careful, said Fink as he checked out the robot's new scrapes and dents. I'll need your help if I ever have more porcupine trouble. I will be more careful. What do you have there? said Fink, looking up at Roz's hands. A goose egg. Oh, I love eggs. Can I eat it? No. Please, no. Why do you want it? The fox scowled. I thought you didn't eat food. You may not have this egg, Fink. The fox sighed. He scratched his chin, and then he started sniffing the breeze. His nose had found the scent of the dead geese. You can keep your egg, he said as he trotted toward the cliffs. I smell something better. The robot walked on through the misty forest for a long time until she was standing beneath a sprawling oak tree. Roz placed the egg on a pad of moss. Then she snatched grass and twigs from the ground and delicately wove them together to make a little nest. She placed the egg inside the nest, placed the nest on her flat shoulder, and climbed up into the branches. 
Chapter 26 The Performer Up in the sprawling oak, the goose egg was peeping and wobbling around its nest. Mama, mama, said the egg. I am not your mother, said the robot. The egg continued peeping and wobbling until nightfall, when the gosling inside settled down to sleep and the egg became quiet and still. The robot was about to settle into her own kind of sleep when she heard something in the underbrush below. Roz peered down from the branches and saw weeds rustling in the moonlight. A creature was crawling past, but the creature stayed low, hiding in the darkest shadows so that Roz couldn't see who it was. Roz wasn't the only one watching. A pair of furry ears rose up behind a log. The ears belonged to a very hungry badger. He lay in wait as the shadowy creature came closer and closer, and when the time was right, the badger pounced. You might expect a creature under attack to run for her life or to defend herself, or at the very least to scream. But when the badger pounced, this creature just rolled onto her back, stuck out her tongue, and died. Not only was she dead, she was rotten, and the badger's face twisted with disgust. Blech! What a stench! He pawed at the stinky corpse a few times and then gave up. No thanks, he grumbled to himself. I'd rather eat beetles and the badger hurried off to find a less disgusting meal. Had that mysterious creature been frightened to death? And how could her body possibly rot so quickly? Roz was confused, and the robot became considerably more confused an hour later when the dead creature's ears began to flicker, her nose began to twitch, and she rolled onto her feet and went on her way as if nothing had happened. The robot's voice called down from the tree, "'Are you alive or are you dead?' The creature's voice hissed up from the shadows. Who's there? Why have you been watching me? What you just did was unbelievable, said Roz. I could not look away. Unbelievable? Really? The creature's voice seemed to be softening. I thought perhaps I overdid it when I stuck out my tongue. I was certain you were dead. Oh, what a lovely thing to say! Were you dead? Well, of course not. Nobody can actually come back from the dead. It was just an act. I do not understand. It's simple. I knew that if I played dead and really laid it on thick, that old badger would be so disgusted that he'd run off. And that is exactly what happened. We opossums are natural performers, you know. So you are an opossum? Roz's computer brain quickly retrieved any information it had on opossums. You are a marsupial and are nocturnal and are known for mimicking the appearance and smell of dead animals when threatened. It's true. Death scenes are my specialty, said the opossum. But I have a wide dramatic range. Believe me. I believe you. Have you done any acting, said the opossum? I have not, said the robot. Well, you should. You might enjoy it. You can start by imagining the character you'd like to be. How do they move and speak? What are their hopes and fears? How do others react to them? Only when you truly understand a character can you become that character. The two odd creatures sat there, one in a tree, the other in the weeds, and talked about acting. The opossum went on and on about her various acting methods and her triumphant performances, and our robot absorbed every word. But why do you pretend to be something you are not? said the robot. Because it's fun, said the opossum, and because it helps me survive, as you just saw. You never know. It might help you survive, too. Soon, the robot's computer brain was humming with activity. Performing could be a survival strategy. 
If the opossum could pretend to be dead, the robot could pretend to be alive. She could ask less robotic and more natural. And if she could pretend to be friendly, she might make some friends. And they might help her live longer and better. Yes, this was an excellent plan. Roz wasted no time and spoke her next words in the friendliest voice she could muster. Madame Masupial, it would be a great honor and absolute privilege if you would kindly inform me of your name. Roz's friendly demeanor needed some work, but it was a start. Yes, of course, said the opossum. My name is Pinktail. And you are? Leaves gently shook as Roz climbed down from the tree. It is a very lovely pleasure to make your acquaintance, my dear Pinktail. A moment later, the robot stepped into the moonlight. My name is Roz. Oh, my! The opossum gasped. You're the m m monster I am not a monster. I am a robot. And I am harmless. Harmless? Really? Well, you do seem rather gentle. And I heard someone say you don't eat any food at all, which makes no sense. But hopefully it means you won't eat me. I will not eat you, said the robot. I'm so glad to hear that, said the opossum, and a moment later she too stepped into the moonlight. It's nice to meet you, Ross. A weak smile appeared on Pinktail's pointy face. Ross thought things were going really well, but she didn't know what to say next. Neither did Pinktail. So the two friendly creatures just stood there together and listened to the crickets for a while. Well, I should be on my way, said Pinktail at last. Have a nice evening, Ross. Have the nicest evening, Pinktail. I shall look forward to the pleasure of encountering you again in the future. Soon, I hope. Farewell. With that awkward goodbye, Pinktail slipped back into the weeds and Roz climbed back into the tree. What will happen when the gosling hatches from the egg? Make sure you tune into the next episode of the Spotlight Read Aloud of The Wild Robot to find out what happens when technology and nature collide. Want to share your thoughts and ideas about the story? Here's one new way to participate after listening to episode two. I've created a new topic in the Wild Robot Read Aloud Flipgrid. This time the question comes from chapter 18, and it is... How does camouflage help Roz survive in the wilderness? Create a video message with your response to that question. You can find the link to the Flipgrid on Bolin's Facebook page and on Class Dojo. Also, don't forget to visit the Padlet where you can share your drawings of Roz in the wilderness. Thanks to Nicole for being the first to share her beautiful picture of Roz in the wilderness. I'm really excited to see your drawings of what you think Roz might look like as well. As always, if you have any trouble linking to any of that, please reach out to me at mansoed, that's M-A-N-S-E-A-U-D, at springfieldpublicschools.com, or post a message to Class Dojo or on Facebook, and I'll help you any way I can. Stay tuned for the Wild Robot Part 3, coming later this week. Until then, this is Mr. Manso asking you to take care of yourself and be kind to each other. And of course, go wash your hands. Bye.